Hebrews, the first chapter. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hallelujah. Father, we ask that you would add your blessing to the reading of the word. And Lord, we ask that the word would accomplish that for which you've sent it this morning that, Lord, it would speak to hearts. Lord, you're, you're the author and the finisher of our faith. And, God, it's only through you and through your, the power of your spirit that anything is accomplished. So, Lord, would you take this word and apply it to us as individuals? Lord, may the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest upon each of us, open our hearts and minds, May it rest upon this pastor as he brings forth this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Through the ages, God has been trying very hard to speak to man. But man limits God. He's limited because we're so slow to hear. The text declares that God has in these last days spoken by his Son. If God has spoken by his Son, then we need to hear what he's saying. I want to hear what God has to say to me this morning, don't you? And I know that there's many things that would limit us. We could get in a hurry because the, we've tried to crowd a lot into the hour this morning. We could uh, get in a hurry because we've sat on the pew long enough already. There's a lot of things that would distract us from hearing what God has to say. But I believe God is speaking this morning. 
I believe that the Holy Spirit is here this morning. I believe that there's something vital being said this morning, and I, I want to hear it. Hallelujah. So if you'll just put your full attention upon what God has to say this morning. Apply the word to yourself. Hallelujah. First of all, in Christ Jesus, God speaks to us concerning his unique nature. From the beginning, people have wondered about the nature of God. What is God like? People have sought to explain the origin of the universe. And some have thought that God, uh, they've thought of him as being an all-powerful something out there somewhere. And some have thought of him as being a cold-hearted mechanical engineer who uh, operates the universe but really cares very little about you and I as individuals. Others have uh, thought of God as being unloving, one who dwells in the distance somewhere. He may have made everything, but he forgot about us. Well, God has not forgotten you. God is concerned about you. Hallelujah. The Old Testament, and George is going through it so fast that we've covered thousands of years already. <clears throat> the Old Testament is not history, but it is a progressive revelation of who God is. It's God revealing himself to man. It's God intervening in the affairs of men. And our text this morning says that in sundriest times and in many different ways, he has sought to get man's attention and sought to speak to men. But in these last days, He's spoken through his son. God is limited by our willingness to receive. Study the Old Testament, and you'll discover that God is revealing more and more of himself as you go through it. He revealed himself to the prophets. He revealed himself to the priests. He revealed himself to the psalmists. But, you know, the Old Testament saints didn't really get a full grasp of what God was doing. They didn't really understand what was going on. But then again, they didn't have the full revelation that we have. You see, because God in these last days has spoken by his son. 
and we have the full revelation of who God is and what God is and what God is like, <clears throat> to understand the nature of God, we need to examine Jesus Christ. Take a look at John 1 and verse 8. 18, rather, I'm sorry. John 1 and verse 18. No one has seen God at any time the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Jesus declared him. The Greek here means to consider out or to consider out loud. In other words, God was kind of thinking out loud. To rehearse, to unfold, to declare, to tell. When you see Jesus Christ, you have a full picture of what God is. Hallelujah. It was like God was thinking out loud. Turn with me to John 14 and verse 7. Here he's talking to Philip, and Philip says, if you had known me, or Jesus said to Philip, if you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it suffices us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So now, so how can you say, show me the Father? If you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. There is no difference to see Jesus is to see God Almighty. In Christ, God clearly speaks concerning our needs of salvation. He was to save his people from their sins. In Matthew 1, 21, it says, his name shall be called Jesus. Here's the angels talking to to uh, uh, jo Joseph, and he says, his name shall be called Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. And then in John 1.29, he said, John points out to his disciples and he says, behold the Lamb of God that taketh, what? Away the sins of the world. 
He's delivering us from sin. He's taking the sins away. He's not going to save you in your sin. He's going to separate you from your sins. He taketh away the sins of the world. And then in Mark 10, 45, it says, For every, even the Son of Man came not to minister, be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. In other words, we, we had sold ourselves to the devil. We were held captive. And he paid the ransom. He paid the price. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, it says, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And so Jesus came to deliver us from sin. Our greatest need is a deliverer. We need someone to deliver us from our sins. We are all sinners. And the sinfulness of our sin is dramatically revealed on Calvary's cross. Just look at Jesus on Calvary and you see the sinfulness of man. You want to see how awful sin is? Just look at Jesus. A crown of thorns pressed down upon his head and those long Judean thorns pressed into the scalp and the blood trickling down his face. His face bloody and bruised where they plucked his beard from him. His face swollen where the guards had smote him and said, tell me who hit you. His back ripped to shreds by a cat of nine tails until it's almost transparent. You can almost see the inner workings through his flesh as it's been ripped away. The nails in his hands and his feet. And then the lance struck him under the breast and into his heart and the blood and water coming out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He died for sin. Not his sin, for he never sinned. But he died for mine. Listen to me, he died for your sin. That which took place on Calvary's cross was for you and for me. Hallelujah. Some people ignore and they try to minimize sin. 
But the wise man of Proverbs says that it's foolish to treat sin lightly. The penalty of sin is revealed in the death of Jesus Christ. The suffering on Calvary shows just how wicked sin is. The isolation that he felt from the Father because God cannot look upon sin. And you hear him crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can't you feel the loneliness as Jesus Christ is separated from the Father? What a horrible, horrible thing that was. No wonder it was so distasteful to him when he prayed in Gethsemane. In Christ, God reveals his inflexibility to justice. God is love. God is grace. God is mercy. But I want to tell you something. God is also justice. God is a consuming fire. God is holy. God is righteous. And we need to remember that. He says in his word, that soul that sins must do what? Must die. That soul that sins must die. We're all under a death sentence. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, his Son. He who liveth and believeth in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Hallelujah! Glory! Isn't it exciting? Hallelujah. In some mysterious and marvelous way, the God of justice provides for our salvation. Jesus is my substitute. Jesus paid, the sin, uh, paid for my sin. Jesus died in my place. How many understand that? Reminds me of a story of a bunch of children that the teacher let them make up their own rules. And so they all wrote down what the rules would be. And then she let them make out what the punishment would be. And the punishment was to be 
40 whacks across the back with a belt. And this little feeble individual named Johnny, a kindergartner, broke one of the rules. And he was going to have to suffer the punishment because that was the rule. One of the big boys, it was one of these one-room schoolhouses, and one of the bigger boys in the eighth grade stood up and he said, I'll take his punishment for him. And so he did. And so the rules, justice was done. Yet little Johnny never received any of those stripes upon his back. And that's the way it is. Jesus, though he was God and he could have called 10,000 angels, like a sheep, he went to the slaughter. He never opened his mouth. And though those stripes should be upon my back, they were put upon Jesus. And the skin and the flesh was torn from him. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. He went willingly. He went willingly. Jesus died for me. He died for you, Kathy. He died for you, David. And that's what the good news is. Hallelujah. Over in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, it says, he, became, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. I'm righteous. Though I'm a rotten sinner, I'm righteous because Jesus paid the price. Hallelujah. And the just laws of God that the results of sin is death has been fulfilled. He's a God of grace and mercy and he provides a savior. God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. Can't you hear his heart's cry? He's not willing that any should perish. If we go to hell, then whose blame is it? Who's at fault if we go to hell? If we perish, whose fault is it? We got no 
one to blame but ourselves. God has done everything that he can possibly do. In Christ, on Calvary, God revealed uh, just how great his love is. Sinner, God loves you. God loves you. He loves each and every one of us. He doesn't want to punish you. But if you persist in the way you're going, then he has no choice. The only way that you can have forgiveness is to accept Jesus. God's concerned as he looks on this world of pain and torment and he sees the abortion and he sees the things that are going on, the robbery, the cocaine, uh, what have you. God is saying, I love you people. I don't want you to perish. There's deliverance. There's salvation. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever, believe, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, he did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But this is the condemnation, that they chose not to believe on the only Son of God. That's the only thing that can send you to hell, brother, is disbelief in Jesus Christ. If you don't accept Jesus, how are you ever going to make it? He's the only sacrifice for sin. God accepted that sacrifice. And whoever will accept Jesus has eternal life starting right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To measure the love of God, just, just look at Calvary. That's how much God loves you this morning. Romans 8. Romans 8. Everyone turn there. Romans 8. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him 
also freely give us all things. George was telling this morning how one time he was riding along and he, it became very real to him that he had a son and even though he had other sons and daughters that this son what if God asked him to give this son Karen you've got other other children would you give this son would you let him go to the cross See, that's what God did for us. That's what God did. Brother Carol, would you let A.J. go to the cross? How about it, Alan? You got a lot of other children. How about letting Mike go to the cross? And as a father, there's something in us that says, oh, no, not Mike, not Bobby. Not Jessica. Please, Lord, not Jessica. But God did it willingly. And it wasn't that he had other children. It says he gave his only begotten son. That's how much God loves you, Pat. God has spoken in these last days by his son. loves you Jody he loves you that much the ultimate sacrifice would you give little Mike he gave his only son for you that's how much he loves you would you give Patrick give up Matt, would you? <laughs> That's how much God loves you. God has spoken in these last days. Are you hearing what he's saying? It's a message of love. Do you hear it? If we hear it, then we must respond to it. sit there like you're deaf. Don't sit there like your ears are stopped up. What is going to be your response this morning? It may be a response of saying, I need Jesus. It may be a response of saying, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. 
may be that you want to just get out of that seat and you want to run to the altar and thank God that he cares that much for you. God has spoken. What is your response? Are you just going to sit there? Are you going to do something about it? It's time for you to move. God's done everything he can do. What's your response this morning? I'm going to ask Pat to come to the piano and if she plays the response that you make is up to you. The Holy Spirit's been speaking very clear. Is there just one person in here this morning that's never accepted Jesus that would like to? Is there anyone? I believe God has spoken very clear that he loves you. Is there anyone that wants to rededicate their lives? If there is, you just slip right out of your seat and you come right on up here to the altar. Or maybe you just want to come to the altar and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you for caring about me. Come on, let's move out as the Holy Spirit prompts you. Don't, don't just sit there. Hallelujah.